Bogan Giants fans, and welcome back to the Valentine's Views Podcast. Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we are coming to you on a victory Monday for your New York Giants. Third straight Giants victory which puts them in the the lofty position of being in first place in the NFC East which which may or may not last very long depending on how the Philadelphia Eagles do uh, on Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks but uh still it's a a nice perch for the time being a uh, heck of a lot nicer than than talking about the Giants when they were 0 and 5 and uh, here to help me uh, break down Sunday's game, talk about the Giants, is a big Blue View contributor, Nick Filato. Nick, how you doing? Ed, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on Valentine's Views. Hey, and for those of you who don't know, Nick does two of the shows here on Big Blue View Radio, does Filato on Football, which is a Monday morning show covering uh, all of the NFL, and then he gives you... Filato's Fantasy Football on Fridays, which uh, which breaks down all of your fantasy football needs uh, heading into uh, each weekend. So we always enjoy talking to Nick. And uh, Nick, you know, like I like I said at the top, heck of a lot more fun talking about this team now than it was when they were 0-5, huh? It's absolutely, Ed. And I mean, it's been a lot of mediocre football over the last couple of years for the New York Giants. So it actually feels good, even though they're four and seven right now, they're sitting at the top of the division and that feels great that they were able to mount a three game winning streak. It's been quite a while. I think 2016 was the last time they were able to do such a thing and uh, to also share the, the top of the division. And hopefully the Philadelphia Eagles will lose uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> so the Giants can maintain that. And obviously we, for the Giants, there's a lot of other concerns that I'm sure we'll get into on this podcast, especially revolving around Daniel Jones. Right. We'll get into Jones in a minute, but I kind of want to start, you know, with the uh, with the three straight wins. And as you said, you know, ugly football, mediocre football the last couple of years, which I think is being kind. And I kind of want to start with with where the Giants are currently, four and seven, and your good friend and my good friend Chris Flum, he and I had a little conversation last night, and and those of you guys who who listen to the the Chris and and Joe show here on on, on Big Blue View Radio, you know that Chris is a really knowledgeable guy, really knows his stuff, but Chris tends at times to uh, to be a glass half empty kind of a guy when it comes to assessing. Your, your New York Giants. I think Chris has been on, on our staff at Big Blue View long enough for, for me to say that. Chris and I had a conversation Sunday night about the game and, and Chris was, was basically, you, Chris was kind of moaning and groaning about the fact that the Giants didn't blow the Bengals out, that they had a hard time winning the game, that it was closer than it should have been and, and, and all of those things. And I get that. I get that. But the flip side of that is the Giants, as Nick, as you said, the Giants have won three straight. The Giants are in first place in the division for the first time in however many years. When I look at it, they won a football game that four weeks ago against the Philadelphia Eagles, they lost. 
They lost this exact same game with a two-score lead last five minutes and couldn't make the plays they needed to make down the stretch to, to close it out. It wasn't pretty Sunday, but they got that done. They also won a game where their quarterback got hurt. They won a game with a with with contributions from guys named Jabal Sheard and Nico Lalos and Colt McCoy and a a backup running back in Wayne Gallman and, and and whoever else. You know, a bunch of Carter Coughlin played almost twenty snaps. So. For me, I look at this, and I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy when I look at this. I'm pleased with what we're seeing. And and after that long-winded speech, Nick, my question for you is when you look at this, are you glass-half-empty or are you glass-half-full? I tend to try to be objective, but it is obviously how you how we perceive these types of things. And I'm happy with this win because like you just articulated – the Giants blew this game, and yes, the Giants were going up against Brandon Allen. Joe Burrow was hurt last week. This is a team that was inferior, but what you're supposed to do against inferior teams is beat them, and the Giants were able to do that by forcing a couple of turnovers in the fourth quarter, late, big play by Logan Ryan. Obviously, you had the Nikolelos or Lalos, as you said, interception. He played nine snaps, and I felt had an all, had a key play as well on the Logan Ryan in uh forced fumble because he was the player that was in coverage on Drew Samples. So and when I, and we, we, won't, we won't mention the fact that he also committed a face mask penalty on that play that didn't get called. No, no, we don't <laughs> need to mention that. We don't need to talk about it because it wasn't called. And to be frank, the what was it? It was going to be fourth and ten, and then there was a ghost defensive pass interference against Darnay Holmes as well. So we don't need to mention the missed face mask call on that specific play. But when I look at the Giants, a team that has found ways to lose, like you said, in the same exact situation, they didn't hear. And that's the end of the game. That's the end of it right there. I would have liked them. I would agree with Chris to some extent. I would like them to go in there, beat them, but they lost their starting quarterback as well. They overcame the adversity. The backs were against the wall against an inferior opponent on the road coming out of a bye and they found ways to win. And I think it's that simple to me. So I guess if I had to pick glass half empty, glass half full, I guess I'll go with glass half full. But I tend to try to look at it from an objective manner. I agree. You have to be objective. There were things that there were things that weren't great, but the point is that they won a game that probably earlier in the year, probably the last couple of years, they would have lost. And I think that that you go forward from there. And the Giants are playing meaningful December football for the first time since 2016. And, and that's a good thing, I think, not only for this season, but for the long-term development of this team as well. Absolutely. And I mean, this is Joe Judge in his first year trying to cultivate a culture. I feel like there's a lot of young leaders on this team that you can build around. And for the first time in a while, I feel like this New York Giants team is a team like the defense that's a team it's not specific players kind of playing for their own backside you know what I'm saying this is they play for each other and you can kind of see it on the field every Sunday and I absolutely love that because in the past there were definitely players that were definitely more me guys I don't get that sense from this New York Giants squad all right one of the other things I wanted to talk about and we'll get you know kind of deeply into Daniel Jones here in a minute but we're kind of this right now and we're looking at a situation where the Giants are in first place 
at least right now, a few hours from now, who knows, but they're in first place. They've got five games to go, but this is a weird year. And, you know, Joe Judge was asked about being in first place on Sunday. Logan Ryan was asked about being in first place on Sunday. And Logan Ryan said, he said, who cares? And basically he said, he said that might last until the next, until the next game gets played in the NFC East, which is exactly right. You know, and the way I look at it, and I guess it kind of comes back to glass half empty and glass half full. You've got a weird year with now Daniel Jones is hurt. You've got COVID-19, you know, wreaking havoc on the NFL at this point. We just don't know what's going to happen the, the, the rest of the year. But I look at it and I think you can come out of, come out of this game, come out of watching Daniel Jones play another good game in before he got hurt, watching the Giants win a game, you know, down the stretch for the third straight time. At the beginning of the season, everybody wanted to talk about progress and would there be progress? Would, would it feel like the Giants are pointed in the right direction when the season is over? And my take on it right now is that I think under the circumstances, after what we've seen, no matter what happens the next four or five weeks, I think you can make the argument that yes, the Giants have made progress and yes, they're pointed in the right direction no matter what happens the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, the Daniel Jones injury definitely might throw a bugaboo in all of this, but I've definitely seen progress in the last three games and this season and how this team just plays for this coaching staff. Even in the losses, they're competitive. I mean, the San Francisco loss, it was a competitive game up until about halftime, and then I think they went for it on a fourth down in their own territory, didn't get it, and then after that, it was just a blowout by San Francisco. But they were competitive against the Bears. They were competitive against the Rams. They should have won the first Eagles game, the Dallas game, but could have. You can't really chalk that up for much, but this is a competitive four and seven football team who are in the driver's seat right now, but like you said, could change. And if Daniel Jones isn't there, that's going to be very unfortunate, but I definitely see direction. I saw direction after the 2020 draft as well. It was an encouraging draft where it was focused on the offensive line and on a lot of leaders, guys like Cam Brown and even TJ Brunson, who were team captains at their respective schools in the Big Ten and the SEC. So I definitely see a lot of direction with this New York Giants squad, with Joe Judge, and with how this team is responding to the coaching staff. So let's talk a little bit about Daniel Jones. We've got to get into that. And, you know, his injury obviously is incredibly unfortunate. We don't know how serious it is. There was a report from ESPN that it could be a pretty bad hamstring injury. You know, I, I seriously doubt at this point that we're going to see Jones Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. It, if it's a bad injury, we may not see him for three or four weeks. You know, cross your fingers that, that we see him at all for the rest of the season, but we'll find out more about that going forward. I guess when it comes to Jones, you know, and we'll also talk about Colt McCoy in a second, but when it comes to Jones, the question has always been, is he the quarterback of the future? And what I've seen the last three weeks tells me that at the very least he has to be the quarterback next year and tells me that obviously it's 
this is going to be much more difficult going forward for the next few weeks if, if he can't play. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct, Ed. And in terms of Daniel Jones, I'm not 100% sold on him in, in in terms of this guy is going to be Super Bowl winner or anything ridiculous like that. But I definitely think he's a player that you can win with. I think he's coming along with some of the mistakes that he's been prone to. Obviously, we can just revert back to that Tampa Bay game, which was atrocious. But it seems like what he's been able to do in these last three games, from pre-snap to post-snap diagnosis, has gotten a lot better. We've also seen a little bit of a a little bit of the 2019 him where he gets the one-on-one coverage he sees pre-snap what he likes confirms it post-snap looks the safety off and then throws a really good ball and man coverage to his playmakers and he was doing that he did that in this game he was doing that the last three weeks and it looked like he was getting comfortable at least more comfortable in Jason Garrett's offense remember and I don't want to just sit here and make excuses for him but this is a second year player in his second professional offense especially in this truncated offseason that's incredibly difficult for a young player I'm a fan of Daniel Jones and I definitely think he deserves the right to start next season I think a lot of Giants fans are probably on board with that I just would love to see him close out this season hopefully this injury isn't terrible I think he's a player that you can win with especially if he keeps progressing on these mistakes that he's made in the past which I definitely think he can as he gets more comfortable in this system yeah, I hope we see him sooner rather than later, but you know, we should know more about that uh later on Monday as you know, we're recording on Monday morning. We get a chance to speak with Joe Judge, I think at four o'clock today. Uh hopefully the coach will have more information on Jones if we haven't heard anything before then. But the Giants may have to go forward here for a couple of weeks with, with Colt McCoy and and I've said before this is why you go out and you get a backup quarterback that's had experience. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody wants to go a full season with Colt McCoy as their quarterback, but I think Colt McCoy gives them a chance for a couple of weeks at the very least. I don't know how you feel about about McCoy as a quarterback, but but I would much rather have Colt McCoy than Ben DiNucci or <laughs> Kendall Hilton or, or or whoever. So I don't know how you feel about uh, about about McCoy for a couple of weeks. I'm curious. The JMU great Ben DiNucci. Oh man, why why did he have to get a primetime game? Anyway, <laughs> that that was that wasn't great. But Colt McCoy, I mean. You, I, Obviously, you want Daniel Jones, so I don't think there's a substitute for that, but can Colt McCoy come in and be a placeholder? I do believe so. I mean, in his career, he started off with the Cleveland Browns, was drafted by them. He has a 29 to 27 touchdown to interception ratio, doesn't have all that big of an arm, but he's somebody who's been in multiple systems. Now, last week, he didn't look that great, but it's not like he's receiving that many snaps. Now he's going to be the number one quarterback all throughout the week receiving first team snaps, and they're going to be able to kind of develop a game plan around Colt McCoy. And I trust Jason Garrett to do that. I think it will be a little bit creative. I think it will also be somewhat conservative in terms of they're going to run a lot of football, run a lot of power gap, run a lot of things like that. I'm not overly optimistic, if I'm going to be frank with you, because I do feel like Daniel Jones has really been coming along for the New York Giants. But if the Giants play complimentary football, 
if they avoid special teams and defensive mistakes, which I trust, even though they had special teams mistakes in this game, I trust that they can do that. And then they establish the run against these opponents and have Colt McCoy just work the quick game a little bit, take the shots when they need to, have a couple trick plays worked in there. I think the Giants could win. It's just some of these matchups coming up are really difficult. And that's where I have my hesitation. I mean, you got Seattle, you got Arizona, you got Baltimore. Those are those are some pretty difficult matchups for Daniel Jones, let alone obviously Colt McCoy. So I have my reservations and I feel like they're pretty warranted. All right, Nick, let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. We come back and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the Giants, uh, about the offensive line, maybe about a couple of uh, of players in particular. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. Ed Valentine with you talking with Big Blue Views. Nick Folato about your New York Giants in the wake of their, their victory on Sunday over the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and Nick, I want to talk about the offensive line. We talked about Daniel Jones, you know, previously and about how much more comfortable he looked and, you know, how he's looked that way for the last couple of weeks and we know what went down with the offensive line with Joe Judge firing Mark Colombo and bringing in Dave DeGuglielmo, you know, to, to coach that group. I watched this offensive line play Sunday. And aside from the three penalties by Cam Fleming, this was easily, for me, the best offensive line performance of the year. Maybe the best offensive line performance from the Giants for a very long time. Look at the numbers. Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy in 44 dropbacks. They were hit three times. They were actually pressured. If you look at the pro football focus data, I think they were pressured three or four times. They were, there was a clean pocket all day and there were, there were, there weren't huge holes, but there was space for Wayne Gallman to get some momentum and push piles and, I was just so impressed by by what we saw from this offensive line, you know, without going back and looking at the film. Just your thoughts on the uh on the play of that group Sunday and, and on its development overall. Yeah, from the broadcast angle, they looked phenomenal and I thought Daniel Jones too actually had one of his better games in terms of maneuvering the pocket, the one deep pass to Darius Slayton that he just missed. He did an excellent job ste- stepping up in the pocket and resetting his feet as he did on the Golden Tate out route. But the offensive line is what gave him the opportunity to do so. I mean, you had Will Hernandez play 26 snaps. You had uh, Shane Lemieux play the rest of them at left guard, and they both didn't give up a pressure. They both looked very solid out there establishing the run. And I had to get to the all 22 to kind of really break down their technique. But just from the broadcast angle, it seemed like the unit as a whole was playing phenomenally together with DiGuglielmo coming in and Mark Colombo departing. It was a concern of mine. And I know the Cincinnati Bengals, they surrender, I think, the third most rushing yards per game. So I want to try to keep everything in the context. It's not exactly the best defensive line but this is a road game and this is what you expect from a superior offensive line and this is still a really young unit too ed i mean you still have andrew thomas out there didn't give up a pressure in this game playing 81 snaps nick gates this is his first year at center shane lemieux young player so i think you can only grow and continue to 
develop from here. And I think, I mean, you look back to the Tampa Bay game. I think that was probably the first instance we saw, okay, we're able to establish somewhat of a run. Granted, Tampa Bay was a really quality run defense, a really good opponent. And then after that, you have the Washington game, the Philadelphia game, and now this. And it was just Wayne Gallman. <laughs> it makes you think, what would this offense look like with Saquon Barkley, especially running some of these power gap concepts where you can just tell Barkley, hey, you got to hit this hole right here. And then he can use that acceleration to kind of break away from these second level defenders. That would be a welcome sight. But Wayne Gallman has been playing phenomenally in his absence right now. And it's not all because of the offensive line, because I'm a big fan of Wayne Gallman as well in terms of just his relentless nature. The guy never wants to go down. But this offensive line, it's, it's something we have not seen for quite a bit here in New York. So I'm, I'm really impressed by what they've been able to do. And I just think one last thing about the offensive line. Andrew Thomas is 21 years old. Mm-hmm. He's still the youngest player on this football team. And I think that you know, for all of the, the gnashing of teeth about how poorly he played the first few weeks of the season, I think right now you have to watch the way that he played on, on Sunday. And again, we haven't seen the all 22. We haven't seen, you know, any of that, any of that yet. But I think that, that you have to feel much better about that pick, you know, with the way that he's played in recent weeks. Yeah, and I do. I really do, to be honest. He just seems a lot more confident. His footwork, his hand technique, all those types of things, his sets especially, they're not as wide. They're much cleaner. It seems like he's really power stepping well, which is something that he wasn't doing, and that's why he was giving up that inside so easily. He's handling counter moves in a much better way. So just through the last couple weeks where I have been able to dive into the All-22, Andrew Thomas looks like a totally different player than he did from the beginning of the season. And that's growth and development. And as you alluded to, Ed, he's 21 years old. I mean, hopefully he can only go up from here. So that pick's looking a lot better than it looked even four weeks ago. And, and I, I do have to ask you, you know, watching Sunday's game, you, you kind of mentioned earlier in the broadcast, you mentioned special teams a little bit. If you were a guy who was on one of those Giants kick or punt coverage teams, would you be trying to, uh, to crawl under a desk or, or make sure that, <laughs> that if you were on Zoom meetings this week that, that that maybe you didn't show your face or something like that because that was just that that was just unexpected and awful the way that the Giants covered kicks on Sunday and 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 thank God for Cam Brown's fingertips because without his fingertips the Giants probably lose that game on Sunday which I mean that's the NFL but yeah I would definitely be having some technical difficulties on my Zoom meetings for sure <laughs> sorry coach you know I, I can't fix my internet but yeah that kick the kick coverage is not something that we're used to seeing and that's good it's not a trend but I was surprised that Brandon Wilson returned a 103 yard kick return for a touchdown after the Giants mounted like an 11 play drive on their opening drive I was like oh geez that's not great cuz you know Brandon Allen is Cincinnati's quarterback <laughs> you know that they're going to struggle to put points on the board and they're able to kind of get that type of touchdown against a Joe Judge and Thomas McGahee-led unit. It's not something that you necessarily expect. And you're right, Cam Brown, that was a huge underrated play when he hit, I think it was Adam Erickson's ankles to trip him up because that saved what could have been another touchdown. So it's definitely something that I, I expect to be cleaned up. It's not something I'm overly worried about by any means. 
but let's just not make that a trend whatsoever. I'm sure Joe Judge will really stress in practice the importance of kick coverage like he always does, but you can't have those types of mistakes early on. I would expect that he won't do it very nicely either, knowing Judge. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be, yeah, that all that pleasant for these. Uh, not for these gonna, it's not going to be touchy feely. We know that much. And I actually respect that, to be honest. Oh, as do I, to tell you the truth. Last thing I want to talk about, Nick, and we've kind of, we've mentioned it a little bit here already, but this remaining Giants schedule. And you know, obviously you you have week 17 against the Dallas Cowboys and cross your fingers that, that the Giants with or without Daniel Jones, cross your fingers that they somehow managed to get to week 17 with that game, you know, being a meaning, meaningful game for them, being one that, that could, you know, put them into the playoffs. But this next four games, Seattle, Cleveland, Arizona, and who is and Baltimore, Baltimore. Right. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the what the exact order is. I know it's Seattle this week. I look at when I looked at that earlier in the season, I would have looked at that and said, Seattle's an automatic loss. Baltimore's an automatic loss. So you've got to find a way, you know, to to win the, those other couple of games somehow, you know, if you're gonna have a chance. But when I look at it now, to me, you know, Baltimore's not playing all that well. Arizona's not playing all that well. Cleveland is a team that I think actually kind of matches up pretty well with the Giants because they want to bang you. They want to pound it inside. They want to run the ball. And, and I think, you know, you're staring at Dalvin Tomlinson and, and, and BJ Hill and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and, and Blake Martinez and you're, you're looking at a defense that wants you to try to run at it. So I look at it now and, and even Seattle with the ups and downs they've had defensively. I mean, I don't expect the Giants to beat Seattle, especially with Colt McCoy, you know, playing quarterback. I don't expect the Giants to go up there. But I don't look at these next four games and think the Giants have no chance to win these games. I, I look at all four of these games and I think you can with, with possibly with the exception of Seattle, I think you can probably find a path for the Giants to win any of those games. I think a lot of it is predicated on Daniel Jones health. I mean, a lot, a lot of these teams, like you said, beginning of the season it looks a little bit different but you're right at Baltimore though I think that's going to be difficult at Seattle will be difficult the Arizona one's interesting because I'm a big fan of Kyler Murray and we saw what Arizona was able to do against this I mean granted it's a different obviously system was Pat Shermer but what they did to Daniel Jones early on with their zone defense that they play out there but the Arizona traveling from west to east for these one o'clock starts hasn't necessarily been great. We just saw that this week against Buffalo. Kyler Murray had his worst game and he was also dealing with a shoulder. So let's keep that in perspective as well. But we're not even 100% sure if that will be fully cleared up. So I do think some of these games are winnable, but with a hobbled Jones, even if Jones is say playing in this game, but he's a little bit hobbled, that kind of removes that wrinkle of rushing the football and the threat of him running the football. And I think that will also take away from shotgun runs, not necessarily, you know, single back runs and, and power type of runs, but from shotgun runs where they like to run the zone read a lot. I think we'll take away from that. 
I don't think it would be overly easy, but I do think there is a path, like you said. But the Giants would – I think they need Daniel Jones, obviously. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put this on Colt McCoy, and I'm not trying to trash Colt McCoy by any stretch of the imagination. But what Daniel Jones offers, a healthy Daniel Jones, is much more than what Colt McCoy would offer. That's not necessarily great analysis, but it's just kind of the truth. So the Giants are definitely going to need a little bit of help, and they're going to need their quarterback to get a good diagnosis from this MRI. No, I would, I would agree. And, you know, I was just trying to make the point that, that you don't look at this and, and automatically chalk up four straight Mm -hmm. losses going into the, going into week 17. I think there, there are ways that the Giants can, can win games, but we, we watched Colt McCoy run a couple times yesterday and, yeah. And and there's a little, but there, there's a little between Colt McCoy trying to turn the corner than Daniel Jones. They had that quarterback power run, and I think he ended up running out of bounds, which probably uh, definitely upset Coach Judge. But <laughs> I was like, "Wait, is Cole McCoy running quarterback power at the moment?" <laughs> to, to the yeah, power. I was, I, I, I was, I, I, I did want to kind of jump into Jason Garrett's headset at that point and say, uh, "Coach, you know, <laughs> what are you thinking here, Coach?" <laughs> yeah, let's just give the ball to Wayne Gallman in those types of situations. But like I said, I think. I think next week we're going to see more of these little trick plays, these end arounds to Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. Maybe another one of those golden tape passes to on the wheel route to the running back, which didn't work out on Sunday, but it's something that I feel like is a creative gotta play. Keep, gotta keep trying the golden tape pass until it actually works, don't they? I think they've yes. tried it twice and it hasn't worked yet. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I do see that. And you see other teams in the NFL kind of pull that off. Jarvis Landry had an excellent play. I'm not sure if it was a touchdown. I think it might have been to Odell Beckham Jr. That might have been against Dallas, but I could be mistaken there. So uh, you, you got to get creative sometimes, especially if you're in the Giants predicament right now with uh, either a hobbled quarterback or a quarterback that's unfortunately might not be there. I do give Jason Garrett some credit. I mean, we're kidding a little bit, but I do oh. give Garrett some credit because what the Giants started with and then losing Saquon Barkley and, you know, where they were offensively to where they are now. And again, you know, with, with Colt McCoy at quarterback and, and maybe with a hobbled Darius Slayton who really wasn't an impact player for the Giants on Sunday, it's a little bit different, but we're seeing deep shots to Evan Ingram. We're seeing some creativity. We've seen the Giants figure out what Wayne Gallman and even Alfred Morris at times can do well, you know, running the football. And we've seen them figure out how to manufacture a running game. So I give Jason Garrett a ton of credit for what he's been able to do with this offense so far. As do I. I know a lot of people like to pour on Jason Garrett. He's kind of an easy punching bag from his days being the head coach at the Dallas Cowboys, but I feel like he was a little hamstrung earlier in the season because he had a young offensive line that just was not performing and a young quarterback within his system, and they just lost Saquon Barkley, and I felt like he actually did a pretty solid job. A lot of people did not kind of trashed him after the first Washington win, which didn't really make sense to me. I thought that conservative game plan was the perfect way to defeat Montez Sweat and Chase Young and that pass rush and that defense specifically, and it worked out, and I feel like you've seen a lot more growth within this within with with his play calling and how he calls his plays he implemented a ton of counter against Dallas and it worked i mean the giants didn't end up winning the game but those counter runs have now become such a staple in this rushing offense so i too actually have to applaud garrett a lot of the times there are some things that will that will get me here and there and i know you and i have discussed it before in the past but i i do 
I do like what Garrett's been able, uh, what he has done so far. All right, Nick. I think uh, I think we'll call it a show here at uh, at, at that point. We've got we've got meaningful Giants football to talk about in December, and uh, and, and I think uh, having started zero and five, there's not a whole lot more that uh, th- that people can ask for. <laughs> That's all we need, man. I mean, it's it's been quite a while since we've had meaningful Giants football in December. So, I mean, sign me up for it any day of the week. All right, Giants fans. Our thanks to Nick Filato for joining us. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to uh, to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.